0: section 55 of the man who laughs by victor hugo this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by irma martin the man who laughs by victor hugo part two book the second chapter nine absurdities which folks without taste call poetry the pieces written by ursus were interludes a kind of composition out of fashion nowadays one of these pieces which has not come down to us was entitled ursus rursus it is probable that he played the principal part himself a pretended exit followed by a reappearance was apparently its praiseworthy and sober subject the titles of the interludes of ursus were sometimes latin As we have seen, and the poetry frequently Spanish. The Spanish verses written by Ursus were rhymed, as was nearly all the Castilian poetry of that period. This did not puzzle the people. Spanish was then a familiar language, and the English sailors spoke Castilian even as the Roman sailors spoke Carthaginian. See Plautus. Moreover, at a theatrical representation, as at Mass, Latin, or any other language unknown to the audience, is by no means a subject of care with them. They get out of the dilemma by adapting to the sound's familiar words. Our old Gaelic France was particularly prone to this manner of being devout. At church, under cover of an immolatus, the faithful chanted, I will make merry, and under a sanctus, Kiss me sweet! The Council of Trent was required to put an end to these familiarities. Ursus had composed expressly for Gwynplaine an interlude, in which he was well pleased. It was his best work. He had thrown his whole soul into it. To give the sum of all one's talents in the production is the greatest triumph that any one can achieve. The toad which produces a toad achieves a grand success. You doubt it? try then to do as much ursus had carefully polished this interlude this bear's cub was entitled chaos vanquished here it was a night scene when the curtain drew up the crowd massed around the green box saw nothing but blackness in this blackness three confused forms moved in the reptile state wolf a bear and a man the wolf acted the wolf Ursus the bear, Gwynplaine the man. The wolf and the bear represented the ferocious forces of nature, unreasoning hunger and savage ignorance. Both rushed on Gwynplaine. It was chaos combating man. No face could be distinguished. Gwynplaine fought enfolded in a winding sheet, and his face was covered by his thickly falling locks. All else was shadow. The bear growled, the wolf gnashed his teeth, and the man cried out. The man was down, the beasts overwhelmed him. He cried for aid and succor. He hurled to the unknown an agonized appeal. He gave a death rattle. To witness this agony of the prostrate man, now scarcely distinguishable from the brutes, was appalling. The crowd looked on breathless. In one minute more the wild beasts would triumph, and chaos reabsorb man. A struggle cries howlings then all at once silence a song in the shadows a breath had passed and they heard a voice mysterious music floated accompanying this chant of the invisible and suddenly none knowing whence or how a white apparition arose this apparition was a light this light was a woman this woman was a spirit dea calm fair beautiful formidable in her serenity and sweetness appeared in the center of a luminous mist a profile of brightness in a dawn she was a voice a voice light deep indescribable she sang in the newborn light she invisible made visible They thought they heard the hymn of an angel, or the song of a bird. At this apparition the man, starting up in his ecstasy, struck the beast with his fist and overthrew them. Then the vision, gliding along in a manner difficult to understand, and therefore the more admired, sang these words in Spanish, sufficiently pure for the English sailors who were present de palabra nace razón, de luz el son. Then, looking down, as if she saw a gulf beneath, she went on. Noche, te de allí, el alba canta, hay allí. As she sang, the man raised himself by degrees. Instead of lying, he was now kneeling, his hands elevated toward the vision, his knees resting on the beasts, which lay motionless, and as if thunder-stricken she continued turning towards him es menester a cielo sir y tu que llorabas reir and approaching him with the majesty of a star she added gebra Barson deja monstruo a tu negro caparazón and she put hot hand on his brow Then another voice arose, deeper and consequently still sweeter, a voice broken and enwrapped with a gravity both tender and wild. It was the human chant responding to the chant of the stars. Gwynplaine, still in obscurity, his head under Dea's hand, and kneeling on the vanquished bear and wolf, sang, O ven, amá, eres alma, soy corazón. And suddenly from the shadow a ray of light fell full upon Gwynplaine. Then through the darkness was a monster full exposed. To describe the commotion of the crowd is impossible. A sun of laughter rising, such was the effect. Laughter springs from unexpected causes, and nothing could be more unexpected than this termination. Never was sensation comparable to that produced by the ray of light striking on that mask at once ludicrous and terrible they laughed all around his laugh everywhere above below behind before at the uttermost distance men women old gray heads rosy-faced children the good the wicked the gay the sad everybody and even in the streets the passers-by who could see nothing hearing the laughter laughed also the laughter ended in clapping of hands and stamping of feet the curtain dropped. Gwynplaine was recalled with frenzy. Hence an immense success. Have you seen chaos vanquished? Gwynplaine was run after. The listless came to laugh. The melancholy came to laugh. Evil consciences came to laugh. A laugh so irresistible that it seemed almost an epidemic. But there is a pestilence from which men do not fly. And that is the contagion of joy the success it must be admitted did not rise higher than the populace a great crowd means a crowd of nobodies chaos vanquished could be seen for a penny fashionable people never go where the price of admission is a penny Ursus thought a good deal of his work which he brooded over for a long time it is in the style of one Shakespeare he said modestly. The juxtaposition of Dea added to the indescribable effect produced by Gwynplaine. Her white face by the side of the gnome represented what might have been called divine astonishment. The audience regarded Dea with a sort of mysterious anxiety. She had in her aspect the dignity of a virgin and of a priestess, not knowing man and knowing God. They saw that she was blind and felt that she could see she seemed to stand on the threshold of the supernatural the light that beamed on her seemed half earthly and half heavenly she had come to work on earth and to work as heaven works in the radiance of morning finding a hydra she formed a soul she seemed like a creative power satisfied but astonished at the result of her creation and the audience fancied that they could see in the divine surprise of that face Desire of the cause and wonder at the result They felt that she loved this monster Did she know that he was one? Yes, since she touched him No, since she accepted him This depth of night and this glory of day united Formed in the mind of the spectator a chiaroscuro and which appeared endless perspectives, how much divinity exists in the germ, in what manner the penetration of the soul into matter is accomplished, how the solar ray is an umbilical cord, how the disfigured is transfigured, how the deformed becomes heavenly, all these glimpses of mysteries added an almost cosmical emotion to the convulsive hilarity produced by Gwynplaine. Without going too deep, for spectators do not like the fatigue of seeking below the surface, something more was understood than was perceived, and this strange spectacle had the transparency of an avatar. As to Dea, what she felt cannot be expressed by human words. She knew that she was in the midst of a crowd, and knew not what a crowd was. She heard a murmur, that was all. For her the crowd was but a breath. Generations are passing breaths. Man respires, aspires, and expires. In that crowd Dea felt herself alone, and shuddering as one hanging over a precipice. Suddenly, in this trouble of innocence and distress, prompt to accuse the unknown, in her dread of a possible fall, Dea, serene notwithstanding, and superior to the vague agonies of peril but inwardly shuddering at her isolation found confidence and support she had seized her thread of safety in the universe of shadows she put her hand on the powerful head of Gwynplaine joy unspeakable she placed her rosy fingers on his forest of crisp hair wool when touched gives an impression of softness Dea touched a lamb which she knew to be a lion Her whole heart poured out an ineffable love. She felt out of danger. She had found her savior. The public believed that they saw the contrary. To the spectators the being loved was Gwynplaine, and the savior was Dea. What matters, thought Ursus, to whom the heart of Dea was visible? And Dea, reassured, consoled, and delighted, adored the angel, whilst the people contemplated the monster, and endured fascinated herself as well though in the opposite sense that dread Promethean laugh true love is never weary being all soul it cannot cool a brazier comes to be full of cinders not so a star her exquisite impressions were renewed every evening for Dea and she was ready to weep with tenderness whilst the audience was in convulsions of laughter those around her were but joyful she was happy the sensation of gaiety due to the sudden shock caused by the rictus of Gwynplaine was evidently not intended by ursus he would have preferred more smiles and less laughter and more of a literary triumph but success consoles he reconciled himself every evening to his excessive triumph as he counted how many shillings the piles of farthings made, and how many pounds the piles of shillings. And besides, he said, after all, when the laugh had passed, chaos vanquished would be found in the depths of their minds, and something of it would remain there. Perhaps he was not altogether wrong. The foundations of a work settled down in the mind of the public. The truth is that the populace, attentive to the wolf, the bear, to the man, Then to the music, to the howlings governed by harmony, to the night dissipated by dawn, to the chant releasing the light, accepted with a confused dull sympathy, and with a certain emotional respect, the dramatic poem of chaos vanquished, the victory of spirit over matter, ending with the joy of man. Such were the vulgar pleasures of the people. They sufficed them the people had not the means of going to the noble matches of the gentry and could not like lords and gentlemen bet a thousand guineas on helmsdale against velum gay madone end of section 55